0: To this episode, My First Sketch, I'm Josh Hyland. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com/myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to MyFirstSketch.com where I'll post any of the videos we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. So not only do I do this fun and wonderful podcast that you're listening to, I occasionally host a live game show called The Big Freaking Quiz. And I'll be taking that show on the road. On Thursday, November 29th, I'll be hosting the Big Freakin' Quiz of 2018 at Improv Boston during the Sketch House show. I'll be sharing the bill with the writers of the dorm, and more on them in the coming weeks. And on Friday, November 30th, I'll be heading to Baltimore to do another Big Freakin' Quiz of 2018 with about 80% different questions at the Charm City Comedy Project. Okay, I'll admit... The bonus round will probably stay the same on both shows. We'll try to look back and have a laugh at the year that was, 2018. When I head to Charm City, one of the other acts on the bill is a relatively new group from Baltimore called Richard Dreyfus. I actually saw them perform at The Pit during the NYC Sketch Fest with a duo called Two Americans a few weeks ago, and I really dug their set. So that brings us to today's guest. Today's guest is Dupree Kinney, currently a member of Richard Dreyfus. Kenny's first sketch was written during his time with Throat Culture, which is a sketch group based at Johns Hopkins University. Kenny reads the role of Scott, Kara Bauer, another member of Richard Dreyfuss and future podcast guest, reads the role of Kim, and I read Pat, and I'll give you any visual information you need to know. All right, so let's go to the sketch. Two people sit on a couch, Scott and Kim. They both watch TV quietly. The sound of a door opening and shutting with quick footsteps following. Their third roommate, Pat, enters, exasperated with a desperate look on his face.
1: Um, What's up, Pat?
0: Pat moves to the windows, pulling down the blinds. There's something outside I've never seen before. Some kind of monster or something. I think it was a vampire? He runs back to the door, eager to lock it. We gotta stock up food or call the police or... Pat comes back to the couch as he notices his roommates are still watching TV. What the fuck, guys? Didn't you hear me? Vampire? Kim sighs and turns off the TV.
1: Pat, where are you from?
0: LA, but what the hell is that?
1: Uh Uh-huh, that explains it. See, in Baltimore, there's a set of rules, you know?
0: She pulls down her finger for each rule.
1: Turn the other cheek, don't steal, don't go outside after midnight, or else you'll be murdered by mythical creatures, go to church, the usual things.
0: Pat points at him. That third one. What the fuck do you mean by mythical creatures?
1: Pat, calm down, it happens. Ask Scott.
0: Scott looks up from his phone.
1: Yeah, my dad was killed by a werewolf. No biggie, Uh, it was a learning experience really. Pat looks around
0: incredulously.
1: Look, Pat, here's an easier way to understand it. Do you see any of these people that dress up in costumes to take pictures for tips? No. It's like that, except with death and lasting consequences that shape the way we live our lives.
0: Pat nods a bit, slowly understanding. Okay. He takes a seat on the couch and slowly lies back.
1: Uh, hey, Kenny. Um. Hey, how's it going, man?
0: All right, so tell me about the sketch. Where did this idea come from?
1: Um, this was when I was uh, trying to get into the Johns Hopkins um, sketch group, Throat Culture. First sketch I've ever written. And um, a lot of people from Johns Hopkins aren't from Baltimore, and I'm from Baltimore. So there's like this feeling of like, you can't go outside at night, or else, like mm-hmm. you know, if I walk across the street to the 7 Eleven, I'll, I'll be stabbed or something. <laughs> and, and, and it's really funny because from the outside looking in uh this like there's like this huge bubble around hopkins to the point where i as a person from baltimore had never actually been within this circle of baltimore so it's Mm -hmm. like uh it's like all these fears are like really like mythological and i was like oh well you know i'll play on this and you know hopefully no one else in the auditions is going to write something super baltimore centric
0: yeah i think that's kind of true of philadelphia too where uh I had a friend text me, like, my in-laws are staying here. Is that okay? I was like, yeah, you're close enough to a college campus. It's okay. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it? that, that bubble around colleges and then, like, right outside that bubble being a completely different experience for sure.
1: Yeah, is it, isn't UPenn in Philly? Yeah. Yeah, the, the president for UPenn, uh, the old president is the president of Hopkins now. So it's, like, super similar in the way, of even the way the campuses are, like, meant to grow hmm um so throat culture
0: uh i talked to andy weld uh, a member of bad medicine and we've talked about throat culture before and first off throat culture uh is a one of my favorite names for a sketch team (laughs) like is that right amount of clever to me it's great uh so tell me about your experience with throat culture
1: um it was pretty amazing i think Everyone that I am friends with now, I met in some way because of throat Culture, like without throat Culture, um, I don't think I'd be writing comedy. I don't think I'd be doing comedy, um, I almost like of the people that, you know, that are in um, Richard Dreyfuss and two Americans, I would say like four or five of them were in throat Culture and almost everyone that is in it that wasn't. Uh, in throat culture is like throat culture adjacent
0: okay how did you find out about the, the sketch comedy on the campus
1: um well it was like it was like a student activities fair um and i had never done anything like this before i was like a conversational funny person where you like mm-hmm. you just like you know sort of talking in a circle and i would say like the punchline, and i was like oh well you know maybe i should try writing stuff and stuff like that maybe i should try to audition and yeah it went really well um one of the dudes in two americans neil he like specifically is the person who i saw to like um like like ask about the auditions and stuff so it's really cool that i'm able to still do stuff with him and you know lukarsh brandon outside of like like past being in school it's really crazy
0: all right, let's go all the way back. Uh, what were you into growing up? What was your uh, comedy fandom as a kid, um, as a teen, or however far back you want to go?
1: As a as a kid, my mom was really she was really like open with uh, being able to watch stuff. So I think a lot of people's like first stuff is like sort of like a kids movie or something. But mm-hmm. I remember watching like. <clears throat> like old videos of like vhs tapes of like richard pryor and stuff like that with my grandfather and like like a lot of mad tv my mom was really into mad tv and because of that i was really into mad tv and um um adult swim like huge amounts of adult swim even today i i still not not as much but there was like a point where that would be almost all i would watch Uh, because it's like you know you're up you're like 12 and it's like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night and you're like heading into like the forbidden zone like i'm not supposed to be up right now so now i'm gonna see things that like aren't meant for me
0: yeah i imagine that there is that same because uh, i think one of the things about like saturday night live and to a lesser extent mad tv because it's so much later like i mean because snl was all around so much longer is like when you're young and you get to watch those things, it does feel a little dangerous or, like, foreboding even, like, where, you know, oh, this is late. I'm not supposed to, This, you know, it's a late-night show. I'm not supposed to be late. Like, something's going to go, like, bad for me or... And I think Adult Swim definitely taps into that a little bit as well, like, especially with their style of comedy, because I think a lot of Adult Swim is a very avant-garde, surreal... Yeah. More so than... There's a lot, you know, Tim and Eric, which I, I don't understand Tim and Eric at all, but like. I had
1: same for like the longest time <laughs> I remember in high school, I remember actively like hating that time slot of like Tim and Eric being on. And then <laughs> right around when I graduated, it was like, it was like it clicked. It felt like, do you, do you remember like that point of time where everyone listened to like Animal Collective? and it was like either you got it or you didn't and i was like yeah. definitely on like the other side and then just like animal collective it was like all of a sudden i was like oh well, hey i guess i wear flannel now <laughs> yeah I, I definitely
0: uh i'm totally fine with like if you you get it or you don't and you know move on with your life if you don't if you do it's fine um you talked about mad tv like what era of mad tv like what were the characters that were really or the actor like what what generation of mad tv were you into
1: well it's it's really weird because looking back it's like mad tv was really like (laughs) it was really boundary pushing and like a not cool way and a lot of times like like miss swan and like uh yeah like i remember watching miss swan heavily i remember that was actually well i guess for a lot of people probably it was my introduction to key and Mm peel and i love the coach character the coach character was straight up just <laughs> like i re one of those videos like a month ago where he is directing oliver and that that i think i think that movie that just came out i was talking with brandon about this i think uh lady bird like almost recreates like a mad tv sketch in a weird way <laughs> it's really funny um so yeah it was Ari spears i can't remember the guy's name but he played one of the three stooges and like the new three stooges
0: oh remake. um uh, Will Sasso. Will
1: Sasso. Will Sasso's. Um,
0: he, he's on my list of people that I don't understand how he's not a bigger comedy person. I
1: think that sort of comedy is just gone in an awful like, way of like being like just so funny physically.
0: Like I think I think he did like a, a sitcom. On ABC after he left Matt TV, but like he hasn't done anything major since then. He was like
1: big on Vine. That was weird. Yeah,
0: like yeah, I know like he did like those uh I think they were lemons things or like where no matter what situation he was in, like just all of a sudden like he was choking on a lemon. (laughs) And I know he's got a podcast, but like he's one of those people that I really think that like why isn't he? Why isn't he the ugly husband to like you know that prototypical like Kevin James
1: role? I think that's because Kevin James has consumed all of those <laughs> roles. Like, like it's like if you have to go through Kevin James to make money in that neighborhood.
0: <laughs> the, the the schlubby husband with the beautiful wife sitcom.
1: Yeah, well, also I think maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's not even Kevin. James. You have to be friends with Adam Sandler because like Rob Snyder <laughs> and David Spade also are like in that. Where I, so Adam Sandler runs that. That that racket now.
0: He does have a, uh, like Adam Sandler has a like I forget what show it was. I, I was watching a show recently, and his production company was at the end of it. I was like, oh, that's weird to me. That doesn't make sense. He's
1: he's like doing really well. Apparently, he's also having like the like like you remember when uh Matthew McConaughey had that point where people were like, well, I am proud to say I like Matthew McConaughey now. <laughs> I think I think Adam Sandler's having like that moment now. Like his new Netflix special is apparently supposed to be like amazing. I've seen the
0: commercials where I haven't dug into it yet. And I know like, you know, Sandler definitely has that thing where, you know, there's that uh, joke with actors. Like there's always like one role for me and I'll do a studio picture to make sure I can do that one role. And like, it feels like Sandler's ratio is like four for them. One for me, like <laughs> he'll do, he'll do one like serious, awesome movie. And then like four just. Yeah.
1: It's really weird. Like, it, and you know what? I think you're exactly right. In the sense that it's like, it's almost exactly four to one because like (laughs) even with that Netflix deal, it was like, he was like, okay, I'm going to do like this, like Western comedy where I just like, 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 like a a part of the movie is just like a donkey, like pooping all over itself. And it's like, right. And then it's like, he did that Sandy Wexler movie. And then he made that movie with Ben Stiller that people were like, I I
0: haven't seen that one yet. I heard, I've heard it's like easily the best thing he's done in, in years.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I think it's 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 just you know he knows what's gonna make him money which you know good for him and he also has the yeah, range yeah at the same time yeah he's a, he's a voice well, he seems like a cool guy
0: yeah I've got no problems with him yeah me neither I'm not gonna watch most of his movies but
1: that's like the best place to be like 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 you and me who actively probably dislike <laughs> most of his movies are like yeah he's probably fine you know I'm just not gonna watch it
0: yeah <laughs> um so. Uh, I ask everybody, and you talked about Mad TV. I'm sure Saturday Night Live comes in at some point. Do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member?
1: Um, I actually, I've never seen a full episode of Saturday Night Live. I've only seen like bits, but mm-hmm. uh, why is that? Saturday Night Live episodes are so like, like they're so long. <laughs> it's it, it's <laughs> it's funny because I don't think I would have watched a full episode of Mad TV if I was 23 back. Then. Well, I guess I would have because. I think I think that like time of watching twenty like like forty five or fifty minutes of something that might have bad stuff in it is gone. Yeah. But um that's that's like I guess off the point. Um I really like Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett.
0: Uh they're another
1: one of those like I don't
0: totally get some of the stuff that they do. Like Yeah. Uh but so what is it
1: about them? They're definitely they're they're made almost they they're like this push for Saturday Night Live to, to to have like this like I think like this continuation of like the Andy Sandberg thing. Where it's like let's find internet funny people and make them funny now and um it's it's weird because they don't usually slot in on the show well, but I don't know. All of all of Kyle Mooney's characters are really great and I think Beck Bennett has like a reaction character is really great, like 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 that Shrek. That sketch with um ah sterling k brown he's he's so great in that like everyone in that sketch is amazing
0: mm. i don't remember that sketch i have to go back and watch it from last year i think it like right i think it
1: was it was it was it was sterling k brown last season. he's brought in has like the 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 boyfriend for this really like hoity-toity family uh while they're uh you know cuz he's about to marry the daughter and beck bennett's the mm-hmm. father and the mother says something like, "Well, the new Coco."
0: Oh, right, right, right. Okay, I, I totally remember what you're talking oh, about. That now. was great. I, from, you say uh, Shrek sketch. I'm immediately picturing like Sterling K. Brown dressed up as Shrek <laughs> for some reason, and, and that's what I'm trying to remember. So, but yeah, I totally yeah, that is a good sketch. So, all right, you're. Do you do any like theater or anything in high school, or is Throw Culture your first step into?
1: I was a I was a backstage guy. Like I, I, okay. I always um, like made stuff very, very shoddily, but I always made stuff.
0: So, but okay, so you weren't completely like into performing or or creating uh, material, but like you were adjacent to the process and yeah,
1: yeah, definitely, yeah. So,
0: so going to throw culture, it wasn't totally like. Out of bounds. It wasn't the the story of like high school football star turning into the actor. Like, nah,
1: I don't I don't think I was tall enough to play football. Um, if I if I was, I probably would have, and um, maybe I wouldn't be doing sketch comedy. No, um, I I think um, yeah, no, I wasn't. It wasn't like a complete shift. It was it was definitely like I guess if a complete shift is like a hundred percent shift, this was like a seventy five percent one because being in tech crew is just about hitting your marks in terms of like, let me move this table. And if I mess up, it isn't that big of a deal because I went to like, not that big of a high school. So it wasn't like this high school was like where the best performance of Macbeth in Maryland was going to be. But, um, so, so coming into throat culture it was, it was a lot of like, I, I had never remembered lines before and I'd never done a rehearsal and I'd never like, Actually, been on stage and said things publicly before. Yeah, Um, did you join
0: Throat Culture as a freshman, or? Well, I came
1: in as a transfer student, so I actually came in as a junior.
0: Okay, Uh, so you do two, like roughly two years of Throat Culture. Um, like, tell me about Throat Culture, about because I'm always jealous of people that had sketch comedy in college and that's another recurring thing throughout this podcast. <laughs> uh, and I'm always curious about like the balance between doing something that's really cool and your classes and like, like how many shows did throw culture do throughout the semester or how often are you meeting? How often are you writing? Like what's the, the typical schedule for a semester in throw culture?
1: Um, So it's, it's four shows a semester. I'm pretty sure. And there's always one 24 hour show. Like that's a, uh... That's like a big deal for us there. Uh, well, actually, I think that's just a big deal for the Hopkins theater scene overall. Like, I think everybody except for the improv team has a 24-hour show uh, where you write the show, rehearse it, and perform it all within 24 hours. And um, so, yeah, in terms of writing stuff, it's usually like there's a weekly meeting. Uh, it's a writer's meeting. So you just come in, uh, you bring in your sketches, you pitch it. And I think, to be honest, that, that formed a lot of the basis of Richard Dreyfus a lot um, in the sense that a writer's meeting in terms of like mechanically or I guess more like robotically, like, here's my pitch. Let's break it down by beats. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. But for me personally, it's not something that I like really enjoy at the moment. Uh, with us, it's much more of we're hanging out uh, and we say this is going to be a writer's meeting and we have like a sketch here and then we just sort of riff it out. And I, I really like riffing with the people that I'm with. So it, it, those were always how the best sketches were written in not only throw culture, but also how we write stuff now. And I'm really into that. All
0: right. So uh, you finished school. Yep. Uh, Work and are you are you saying Richard Dreyfus?
1: Yeah, it's 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 funny because we each say it differently. Uh, okay. <laughs> we we each say it differently because um, I know the actor, but I've never had to say his name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's it's it, it, okay. So, uh, so where does that begin? Like, is there a gap between Johns Hopkins and? this new team
1: yeah it's a pretty big gap it's about like a year-long gap almost um brandon the other member of our group graduated um freddie was still in school who's in our group uh tatiana who's um also in our group she i don't know why i'm saying also in our group a bunch of times when it's like of course these people would be in the group (laughs) um she graduated and we had known kara from acting in the area, she's a really dope actor. Well, you know, everyone's a really dope actress or actor, and um, she, 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 we had seen a few of her plays that um, Utkarsh had actually written uh, around Baltimore, and so we were all sort of like split uh, to different corners of the Baltimore globe, like the Triforce, and um, then I think it was in May, um, or April, um neil came into town and we all uh went drinking and then we were all we we sort of jokingly said let's start a sketch group and we jokingly said um it's called richard Dreyfus." and then it jokingly formed and then and then it was like let's let's jokingly try to get a show and then we got a show and then it stopped being a joke uh well it was also we took we took the meetings very seriously and um we we thought we had written really good stuff and we had and um we had our first show in july and then it sort of started to sprint from there
0: uh is there any significance to the name richard like
1: um i think different people
0: other than that offhanded joke like
1: different people will tell you different things but I, i personally think it uh it's important to me in a way because it's very easy. I, I think it sort of embodies part of why I really like the group, which is it's really easy to just say something and like change it after the fact. You know what I mean? Like like, like, like. we could have said, oh, this is Richard Dreyfuss at this meeting. And then once we were like, OK, it's serious time now. Let's 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 brainstorm names. <laughs> but instead, it's like I think our group is very much one where it's like, OK, this is out there. And now we're going to embrace it, because you know that's just I guess that's who we are, and it really feels like Baltimore has like an art scene is too just kind of that offhanded comment all right, that's it we're it's like an offhanded comment becomes <laughs> your identity like you stick
0: to it absolutely, yeah,
1: because I don't know it's like that means everything you say has weight, and you're hold accountable to you're held accountable to it in a way that I think is really really dope, I like that
0: um tell me about the scene in baltimore uh i know about charm city yeah i know about uh uh B. I think it's b yeah everyone
1: calls it big it, okay they do yeah. call it big
0: all right um what else is there comedy wise in, in baltimore
1: um it's a lot of stand-up um mm-hmm. some of us do stand-up too um there's cool very cool people in the scene doing stand-up um I think a woman from Baltimore just joined SNL actually. Oh yeah. Cool. The newest woman who is on SNL is from Baltimore and she does like a Baltimore release. Oh yet. the
0: cast, the um Ego, the new cast. Yeah, member. yeah, yeah.
1: She she's from Baltimore. Uh which you know, whenever someone from Baltimore becomes famous and you're from Baltimore, you're like, Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> we we kind of have that in Philadelphia. Really? Too. Yeah, a little bit. I yeah. feel like that's
1: why we're we're technically sister cities.
0: Like, I I think we're, I think both cities and Baltimore is a little bit like uh, smaller than Philadelphia for sure, uh, but like we're both in the shadow of other big cities, so there's a bit of like a, I don't want to say chip on the shoulder. Oh, it's
1: the hour drive away effect. Like being an hour away from New York and being an hour away from like D.C. It's always like, uh, but um, they're they're both cool places and. I'll also say that I I personally shed a tear when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And I saw people, like, climbing up on light poles, and I was like, yeah, there it is, small cities. Well, not small cities, but uh, chip on the shoulder cities. Yeah,
0: that was a – hopefully that exercised a lot of demons for Philadelphia. Yeah,
1: hopefully, yeah. The Phillies looked like they were doing well. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm sorry.
0: So back to the scene in in Baltimore.
1: Um, Yeah, big – big um big is who we work with a lot we've done a show at the charm city comedy project uh, they're cool um big a lot of our friends work with big um, shout out to Olga to Pam and Jen um, yeah they're, they're really cool um yeah big is big is really uh big is really cool they they, they gave us a show um, before we really like We didn't have any name. I was about to say, did
0: you have to like like pitch it as like, oh, we're formerly from Throw Culture, but like we're we're taking that next step.
1: Like it sort of was. It was the pitch was the pitch was really um the woman um Jen Withers who uh were was part of like a main part of Big as well as Terry Withers. They've done a really good job of like like improv in Baltimore is gotten way bigger than it was. Like there was a point where it was sort of not not non-existent but i i definitely didn't see it as much as i do now where now it's like improv is like a central part of the comedy scene in my opinion
0: yeah i i've talked to megan at charm city a a couple times and i asked her about like uh you know sketch comedy in in baltimore because i was curious about you know sketch comedians baltimore for the podcast and everything and she's like there's not really a sketch scene, there's more it's more stand up and improv so far. Yeah.
1: Like,
0: um so like is have you noticed more sketch happening in Baltimore? I
1: think it's slowly starting. I think I think overall like we'll all see in the next 5 years there's going to be so much more sketch. Like I think even in New York I was hearing that there was way more sketch on the horizon and I think that you know, New York is like this artistic like Nexus ripple effects are then felt across the rest of the East Coast. So it's like um the in terms of Baltimore, I think I think there's like a few more. Um there was a point, and but I don't know why I'm saying was a point as if this group has not has existed for like four years, but um there was a point where we we marked ourselves as Baltimore's best reviewed sketch comedy team and like <laughs> and uh um, and and i think like oldest because we were for all intents and purposes for a bit the only one so we had all of that as throw culture no no has um well because throw culture is affiliated with hopkins so we were saying like his has like his like straight up baltimore based like comedians sure, okay. we are the oldest and we are like the best because it's like there's no one to compete with but i think more groups are forming now and i, I you know i hope more groups keep on like forming and yeah it's it's hopefully so you were
0: so you were marketing as the oldest group when your first show was in July. no i'm joking no
1: <laughs> that a, like,
0: oh, i mean i know that's the joke but like
1: um no we we were we weren't like we weren't like you know like like putting it in your face we were just right, joking around ourselves still, like yeah we're the oldest group but now nah, yeah
0: so it so you so it still is very in a, in a nascent form like where like when I heard you guys were from Baltimore, I was like, "Oh, there's sketch in Baltimore." Like,
1: okay, cool. Yeah, there used to be I, bigger, bigger stuff. I think like Wham City, Wham City still exists, but it used to be like, 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 like um, AB Video Solutions. Like, are you familiar with that from Adult Swim? They're 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 based in Baltimore. Um, it's Dan Deacon and Alan Resnick and Ben O'Brien and a, a bunch of other people, and they um they do um they do uh I forgot what the name of the video was um unedited footage of a bear right
0: right right okay yeah yeah, yeah. and
1: um this house has people in it and Alec Ellen Resnick's I forgot I think it's live as you are now those are all really yeah. funny and um, yeah that, that's all based in Baltimore
0: but I'm glad to see that you think it's growing because yeah I like sketch comedy yeah and sketch comedy is better oh well,
1: yeah I agree dude like, yeah. <laughs> let's 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 get that out of the way now. Let's let's make a big mission statement that it is the best form of comedy, and <laughs> in five years, it will be the only form. <laughs> uh,
0: you mentioned that in the writing process for uh, Richard Dreyfus, it's you know you come with an idea and then you start riffing in the room. Is there like do you guys do any of you have like the improv background? Yeah,
1: yeah. Two of our uh, members, Morris and um, Freddie, uh, they're they're both improvisers, and they're really good at it
0: is that like a a style that you enjoy writing or do you prefer like staying at home writing a draft and then just punching it up and getting it in the room
1: like well, that? both styles are available uh it's just that the way that the draft process sort of works out is sort of in riffing but um i i i i think me personally i usually write a draft first and then bring it in but it's also i, I usually feel like Ah, uh, this draft is gonna become something way cooler post post production. You know what I mean? Which I guess, you know, that's probably what everyone thinks in a draft.
0: Uh what's the current makeup of Richard Dreyfus? Because I saw you guys last weekend as I record this at New York City Sketchfest at the Pit. Yeah. Uh, and it was was it five like because you performed with two americans yep so there were some lines being blurred but it was like on stage that day it was five guys one girl a nice diverse mix where you guys even made the joke of like three versus three (laughs) yeah that i enjoyed um like so how many people are currently like Full active members of Richard Dreyfus.
1: Um, okay, so um yeah. Roughly. I think right now we're sort of like Voltron this is come together. It's still. Yeah, so Richard Dreyfus, as it stands right now, is um it's me, it's Brandon Block, it's um it's Freddie. Um of the people that were there. It's 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 yeah, it's me, Freddie, Brandon, Tatiana. I'm I'm also Trying to like, because there's also people uh, that couldn't make it also a right. uh, Joshin um, and then there's also um, people that we have back home or here are uh, Tatiana, Kara, uh, who I think you're talking to um, mm-hmm. and there's also Billy Bernadoni. Um Yeah, we're sort of in a big way, like a collective, and I do not think sure. I forgot anyone's name because as a collective, you're watching. You, want well, you to mentioned do Morris that. earlier, but I don't think you listed him there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Morris. <laughs> I'm sorry, Morris. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, you're. you're thank I don't wanna you.
0: Ac- don't want to accidentally start any fights or like.
1: No, 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 it wouldn't. He would bad just Bad feelings uh, of. <laughs> he would. He, he would just make it no. No, I'm joking. I love you, Morris. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's that's pretty much everybody.
0: So like I mean, you mentioned a collective. So there's a like there is a bit of a free form of like if someone's available for the show, we can use them. If they're not, that's cool too. Like
1: yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know the the way it works is you know everyone has a busy schedule. Everyone has stuff going on. So it's like you know if you if you can't make it, it's uh you know usually it's all good. Is
0: Richard Dreyfus currently your main like? creative project
1: yeah yeah i think that's also something else is that in i was talking with um neil and ukarsh there's some two americans and it, it feels like there's this vibe in new york uh, versus baltimore that you have to be in two or three groups whereas it, i don't know if, if it's the same in philadelphia but in baltimore i, I definitely feel like for improv i guess there's I, I know people that are in multiple groups but other than that i, I don't i don't really think that you usually have more than one or two groups. You just do your one or two. Because uh, if you're doing like one group here, you could theoretically have a show every week. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think well even just talking about my experience last week at Ske- at Sketchfest, uh Ukars did your show yeah. with two Americans and then he showed up an hour later with another like wow, that was a uh, joke show yeah it was a uh,
1: niche yeah yeah i think it was a niche
0: uh, like i was like oh so he's he's double duty already like that's <laughs> crazy because that that definitely is a thing here in philadelphia where there's a bunch of people that uh and i tell them all the time like you guys need to calm down and like take a night off and just sit and watch tv for a night instead of like having two improv groups two sketch groups a special run show like i'm like breathe have a moment well that sounds pretty
1: dope though (laughs) well i I don't know to me it sounds pretty dope i I like being outside of the house but um oh yeah that happens i guess sometimes in baltimore but i think that you know the scene is such that if you if you have a group you could conceivably perform every week if you wanted to or every other week so it's like you know having one group uh, at least for me at the moment is enough yeah
0: i think and i think there's also a point with a lot of people and i've heard this like a lot of people have said this to me like when they're offered stage time there's they they can't refuse it yet like or they don't want to refuse it yet because stage time might go away or they uh one one of the guys i talked to recently said that there was this urge to catch up like he felt like he was coming into comedy so late yeah that the only way for him to get better was just to do improv or sketch every night and work as much as he could as often as he could to try to get those 10,000 hour kind of thing, that kind of thing. In
1: That's such a weird idea to me because it, I feel like, you know, comedy to me isn't so much. I mean, I definitely think it is in some ways a meritocracy in the sense that the more you do it, the, you know, you'll gain the respect of the scene. But at the same time, it's like, it's not like you put, in these 10,000 hours and then you know now you get SNL. Yeah. It's like you put in the 10,000 hours and now you know the local scene people respect you, which is definitely necessary and it's a great feeling to like, you know, come into a room and it's like, "Hey, you know, it's Mikey from the sketch group." But it's also like I, th- I think the idea of like, like like isn't isn't that sort of like what happened to Mike Birbiglia? Like he like he did a bunch of stuff with UCB and it didn't exactly like, you know, translate into the sort of success of what is like the most common route of comedy, which is like, you know, doing like SNL. And then after you've done SNL, you're like now a film star, or you're like going like the Kate McKinnon route. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I I mean, in my head, I always think that if I do too much, people just get tired of me more so than like, like I couldn't imagine you know, having like two improv shows a week and then a sketch show at the end, like on the weekend, like, and think that I'm not, that's just in my head of like, you know, yeah. Like
1: it's like an overload.
0: Oh, there has to be. Well, I definitely think there's a
1: saturation point. Well, but I also think that like, there's this idea of just from like what I've seen in New York of like, you have like five shows a week, say, or mm-hmm. let's say four shows, and then let's say like you kill it in every show, and it's like people like start talking then, and it sort of like kickstarts the process of like, oh well, now like now agents are asking about you or something. At least I guess that's like the theory is like if you're doing all this stuff, and let's say you kill sure. it in each and every one of them, yeah. then you're seen as like this um, five tool athlete and, almost. Like,
0: and at the same time, that's not really happening in Philadelphia or New York. Like I don't think. I always joke to people when they're like nervous about the show. I was like, "Don't worry, Lauren Michaels isn't here. Like, you're not going to get hired from today's show. Like, like just breathe and have fun with it." Like, oh, definitely, time, yeah. <laughs> that's very much a possibility that some random person that knows another random person, like, you could easily get signed to some kind of like development deal or something. Just,
1: yeah. I, th- I think the hope is that not even that Lauren Michaels is in the audience, but that 40 people in the audience take away from you specifically, like, you know, you, you, you're killing it. So I'm going to go on a like Twitter or Facebook and like type up, Hey, such and such and such and such from XXX is killing it. So, um, and then, mm-hmm. and then what happens is you become like the talk of the town in that way. Like that, uh, uh, I, th- yeah. I think, I think that's, sort of what the hope is and then eventually that'll lead to the point where lauren michaels yeah, or amy poehler nice but like i don't know will ferrell is in the team. audience uh
0: what's the regular schedule for richard dreyfuss like how often are you guys performing is it mostly i uh, usually
1: go once a month um yeah we um no it's different spots around the city Biggest uh I guess big would be considered in some ways the usual space it is it is the space that we perform pretty consistently at but yeah we uh we try to book shows um you know wherever um you know
0: like are you doing like 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 kind of bar shows or like I mean you mentioned uh charm city up in the Lou room like yeah what other venues are there in Baltimore for you
1: um Zissimos, which is uh the charm city space um yeah mm-hmm. There, The other comedy spaces uh, routinely are basements of bars or <laughs> next door to bars. Uh, there's the Motor House. There's Joe Squared, which has a performance space downstairs called Down Squares. And there is uh, at least a big stand-up comedy spot in my mind in the city is the Sidebar. The Sidebar is like really what I think of when I think of stand-up comedy in Baltimore specifically. Um mm. Theoretically, Sketch could be performed there, I, I think, but yeah.
0: Yeah, some of those, like, so from my experience and from talking to people, sometimes those bar, like, side rooms aren't always the most conducive, but, like, they forge this uh, need uh, to be more creative or inventive because there's certain restrictions that are going to happen.
1: Oh, it's a much smaller space than, I guess, like a theater. Spaces. Yeah. To me, at least, it just means that leaning on physical comedy technically gets easier because mm-hmm. you know you're, you're already almost about to bump into someone on stage. But, you know, I might as well write it into the bit. You might, yeah. You might as well play with the idea that you guys are so scrunched in. Yeah. That you that you don't have the space to perform. Yeah, it's like living in a studio apartment. It's like, all right, well, you know, I might as well get used to my toilet being uh, next to my to my uh, to my stove. Uh. So
0: as we. As we wrap up, um, I ask everybody uh, what what's something you've le- you've learned about sketch comedy, whether it's something like existential about life in general, or just a pure tip about the craft of, of sketch comedy that you've learned in the past couple years of you know throat culture and Richard Trifuss, uh that you'd pass on to someone that's new to the form.
1: Um, I guess it's two things. It's um, if I was really going to think about it, I guess. The first one would be, um, I think I, I you see people sometimes that want to use sketch comedy as a vehicle, which is completely cool. Um, I understand it, but it's also, they're using it as a vehicle and it's like, they might not enjoy the people that they're performing with. And sometimes that's like very visible on stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my thing would be is that, in my opinion, being in a community with comedians is like, so great and it's so dope and especially when it's comedians that you really respect and really like to hang out with regardless of whether or not you're performing or not so I guess that that's really the first takeaway is like almost just like college or high school really fi- find your group like you know really without the people in Richard Dreyfus that I'm with I wouldn't have the confidence to do a lot of the stuff I do on stage and I'm building it by doing it with people I really respect and really trust. And I know that like, you know, no matter what, what's on the script and no matter, you know, what, 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 um, what role I have, I have like full confidence and full trust in everyone in it to be, you know, absolutely understanding and absolutely like to kill it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess the second thing is, um. I had it. But <laughs> second thing is, um, if you forget your lines, it's pretty chill. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that that Maybe that's it. Yeah. If you forget your lines, Hey man, take an improv class. Um,
0: <laughs> I like, uh, I used to be very specific about my, like not to like a, a Woody Allen level of like of how I wrote things. Like I used to be like, no, 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 I want this. I want the sentence exactly this way.
1: Like, <laughs>
0: And now I'm just like, you know, I get to the point of it. Like, as long as, you know, you don't totally screw up the, the meaning of it, we're fine.
1: Yeah. And it's also like, is the way that your group works, do you sort of cast people yourself in your sketches?
0: Uh, usually, yeah, if I'm working with people, yeah.
1: So, So if you cast someone in a role, you did it for a reason. And, and in my mind, you know, if I cast Morris in a sketch and I wrote these lines for him, it's like, yeah, I want him to get the gist of them. And I guess, yeah, there are specific jokes in there that I want him to get. But like conjunctions and like smaller things like that, unless I'm like, you know, I guess in that Woody Allenish mood, I, I, I want to see how Morris would say this line or, or the character that Morris has developed. And, you know, it, I that's the trusting part you know when he, when he when he comes in and he says his lines of a certain way and I laugh I'm like wow I didn't even think of it in that tone this is this is already dope and you know and if I don't enjoy it then I can just like hey man I don't know man Dude, I, I wasn't really feeling that one but
0: yeah when I was a baby comedian baby writer like if one of my castmates like added like an extra word to a line I like the inner seething <laughs> like there was a rage monster that was building up almost every time, but that's completely, that's for the most part gone away. Um, and then finally, uh, why comedy? Like, I mean, you transferred to Johns Hopkins, you joined Throw culture. What is it about comedy that that's how you want to spend your time?
1: Um, well, wall street rejected me. So, at a certain point I was like, all right, well, is that true? No, I'm I, joking. No, <laughs> I, I have, I, um, no, um, when I, I, I've always been a backstage person in a lot of life and, um, you know, even in high school and stuff like that. And when I came to Hopkins, um, it was the people in Thrill culture and now the people in Richard Dreyfus who sort of, you know, sort of told me, yo, you know, you, you, you're funny. You can do this. And it's like, um it feels really good to be a part of something and doing something that I feel like you know I'm quantitatively good at and I and I and I find fun in and it's like I don't know it it also feels like comedy is this thing that I've always been trying to do you know I'm always tried to be the funny person in a conversation and now it's like oh whoa I can do this like for an hour with other people I enjoy doing it with and you know maybe, you know, like a shot in the dark, but maybe, you know, I could continue to do it for a long time. And for me personally, that's enough.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, Kenny.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, dude.
0: You can see Kinney and the rest of the troupe Richard Dreyfuss perform at the Baltimore Improv Group with Olga on November 28th go to bigimprov.org for more information and then they'll head to Charm City Comedy Project on November 30th and I think at least a few of them will be panelists when I host the big freaking quiz of 2018 later that evening head to charmcitycomedyproject.com for more on that show follow Richard Dreyfuss the comedy group not the man on Twitter at Richie Dreyfus. If you're in Boston, come see me host the Big Freaking Quiz of 2018 at Improv Boston on Thursday, November 29th, during their Sketch House show along with Writers of the Dorm. More information can be found at improvboston.com. Then I'll head to Baltimore to host another Big Freaking Quiz of 2018 at the Charm City Comedy Project on Friday, November 30th with Richard Dreyfus and others. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.